This episode is brought to you by Liquid IV. Guys, if you don't know what Liquid IV is, well, buckle up because I'm going to throw you a game changer. Liquid IV is a hydration multiplier that not only tastes great, but is a non-GMO electric light drink mix. Powered by cellular transport technology to deliver hydration to the body faster and more efficiently than water can just do alone. One stick contains three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks with five essential vitamins. Now, I pride myself on telling you about things that I either already like or just use in my everyday life. And I have to say, I've actually been a fan of Liquid IV for a long, long time now. I use it for everything from, you know, just long runs to stay in shape, all those late nights with those after hours or just when I'm feeling a little dehydrated. I turned to it so it could just, my God, set me straight, make me feel like a million bucks again, and just get me ready for the day. So please head on over to their website. That's liquid-iv.com to check out their amazing line of products. And get this, when you use promo code Art of the Beholder, all one word, you'll get 20% off your order. Now, if you need a little direction on where to start, I recommend Lemon Lime. Guys, you're going to love it, won't be disappointed. So please give it a shot and get more fuel for life's adventures. Now, back to the show. Greetings and salutations, all you beautiful people, and welcome to another episode of Art of the Beholder, a show dedicated to all things eclectic in the world of art, where we do deep dives into deep cuts and help you understand why damn things matter. I'm your host, Novo Day, and today we're going to be talking about one singular artist. We haven't done this before, and so today is the day. We're going to do a little biography, if you will, for you, and we're going to do that with the one and only. Banksy. Now, Banksy is so goddamn interesting for a lot of different reasons. He's kind of an anomaly because he's he's easily one of the most recognizable artists we have working today, and we don't know much about him, right? You know, and that's by design. He's he's gone out of his way to conceal his identity and stay very anonymous, and for good reason. That allows him to push his work into the spotlight. So the focus is on that. But of course. <sighs> We, um, culture, society, we're not satisfied with just focusing on that. The more he pushes himself into the background, the more uh, people want to, uh, they gravitate towards him. There, there's an allure about something like that. When we, when we, we are obsessed with wanting to learn the person behind the art as well. And it's equally fascinating because... So he has created almost a mythos, a lore, if you will, about this, you know, lone rogue artist that, you know, breaks the rules and is above the law and all this shit. And he has <laughs> he has gone out of his way to want to create an identity against the machine. But at the exact same time, he's so very a part of it. Now, before we talk about that and really dig deep, we got to introduce the sexiest beast on the goddamn planet, my favorite stencil, a work of art himself, and that's Mr. T-Buck. Welcome, T-Buck. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, I do want to confirm I am not Banksy. <laughs> Although it's been speculated, I, I am not. I yeah I couldn't I couldn't decide on one intro for you so I I just kind of strung a bunch together so Thank yeah you. he's more like Banksy's art he's Buxy. he's 
His buck. Oh, I like that. Oh, I like that a lot. Of course, before we can really dive in, we need a little background. The background's going to be a little different today because, well, like I said in the introduction, there's not a lot we actually know about the guy. So we're going to keep this brief. And there is a lot, a lot to talk about and discuss with his actual work, with the art pieces, everything he's done in between and outside. I mean, Jesus Christ, my outline is much longer than I was anticipating. And, and I'm excited to talk about it. So we're going to keep this intro brief. So the very little we know about it, this guy is that uh, he was active starting roughly in the 90s. And he is most likely from England, uh, particularly the Bristol uh, underground scene and area. He's often thought to be inspired by 3D of Massive Attack. We're, of course, huge fans of 3D and Massive Attack, so that's very fitting that we're talking about Banksy today. Uh, and many have, and we're going to talk about this in the discussion section, many have even speculated that it is 3D, though uh, while, uh, granted, there is some some uh, good support that it could be 3D, I would argue that it is not 3D and that he is just inspired by 3D. Often people recognize his art through his street art and graffiti and his work often focuses on satire slogans and social and political commentary he's also he's but uh, his work is so much more than that and we'll again we'll discuss this in the discussion section because he is very much a political activist in a lot of ways and he works in a lot of different kinds of of media uh so i would i would consider him at this point a multimedia artist so let's dive into the discussion buck i'm going to bring you back to the floor and first i want to touch with this before we get into his work, it's often speculated that it is not just one person, it's multiple, multiple people or even a team of people. And mm -hmm. I would argue that it is definitely one person making this art, but he definitely has a team behind him. And much like our episode on uh, the art of business, as much as he's gone out of his way to create this identity as this rogue outlaw character... I mean, he clearly has this huge team behind him. He has a publicist, clearly. He has management. And um, he... <laughs> uh, there is a machine at work, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, if you look at the art shows that Banksy has had or, like, some of the um, exhibitions he does with street art, like, he's had, obviously, some, like, kind of your you know, kind of standard art shows other than the street art parts. But to do that requires a lot of coordination. Um, you can't, it's not just one guy running around and doing, doing this and then kind of jumping in a car and, and the, it definitely requires a team um, to do that. So it, it is, I think, uh, like you said, it's, it's kind of a, it's an organization. You, um, it's an absolute organization. Yes. But, you know, and, and it probably started out fairly small. I mean, um, you've seen some other guys that have came along um, and done certain things like Shepard uh, Fairley. I think that's his, believe his, or Shepard Fairey, um, who who are also famous street artists that, you know, would, would go around and put, you know, that, that, um, um, the iconic face around or, or Shepard. He also did the uh, Obama hope um, hmm. thing, but you, if okay. you ever see them do this, you know, now 
they they have a team along with them to to kind of coordinate and and help out. And so let's let's dive into the art because yeah. uh, when we talk about Banksy, of course he is most most associated with his street art and graffiti. But it's clear that after I've done extensive homework on him, he is not truly, I would say, a graffiti artist anymore. He's a master stencil artist, wouldn't you say? It's more than just yeah. because true graffiti, he has to take his time and he has to do. Time. Yeah, it takes a lot of time. And since uh, and often his work is done on places that he doesn't have, you know, permits for and stuff like this. Yeah. And so it's illegal. He can actually get arrested for this, fined for this, et cetera. And that's what gives him that mythos, that outlaw rogue. You know, I, I, sometimes I refer to him as this. He's almost like this vigilante character. You know, he's doing it for the he's doing the art for the. For the people, if you yeah, will. it's it's like Batman, <laughs> except like he's no. Got, let's not give him that much. No. He's not Batman. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm <laughs> but no, yeah, it's it's definitely there. There it, there are pieces of work of, of of art, but to do it as quickly and to not get caught and and to do he some has of the to scale, use the stencils. He has yeah. to use stencils and he has to use some, um, you know, a little bit of a a little little trickery, little trickeration. Uh, to get some of this up, um, and and yeah, his work often focuses on um, anti everything, right? Anti capitalism, anti establishment, anti establishment. Yeah, yeah, anti. And this is why, again, just like I said in the thesis, it's so fascinating that he goes out of his fucking way to create these artworks to really have a lot of social commentary. And now, I mean, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. And now his pieces are sold for millions and millions of dollars. So people are profiting off them, <laughs> like in in a way he probably even never never saw coming. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, and, you know, some of like his greatest work and just to that point is the stuff he did in um, – I believe it was on the Gaza Strip or in Israel, you know, along the the war the the wall between uh, Palestine and Israel. Um, hmm. That's probably uh, I think that is one of tell the some good people. Work. Yeah, tell the good describe it a little bit because I'm even I there's so much he's put out so much in the thirty uh, ish years he's been doing this that uh, it remind us because yeah there's going to be a couple pieces that I want to talk about that I think are quintessential Banksy pieces that you know if you if you try to buy a print or some sort of version of it it's you'll know it's it's recognizable immediately but uh, I'm curious about this one so tell us about this one big big guy yeah there I think it's a lot of his most iconic um um work like um I'm just thinking of a few ones that pop up in the mind um I think one of them was um the girl with the the heart balloon um, it's just called Girl with Balloon. Yeah. Yeah. 2004. Yeah. So uh, that's like one of the famous ones. I, I, I remember um, there's another one where he. Uh, oh, I thought you're. I, I was referring to the one on this Palestinian wall. Yeah. That was. was Oh, no. The was girl it? that I don't. What's that one on there? I'm trying I to don't think. think so. I want to say a lot of, you know, a lot of his pieces are still, you know, in. In the UK and England, yeah, the, specifically. the one I'm maybe thinking of that I'm looking online right now, it, it, it actually it's a girl holding balloons, like flying away. Ah, okay, that's yeah. that's the one I'm, I'm I may have got this mixed up. So, um, uh, yeah, before and and this is a good uh, lead into 
you know, he still has exhibitions. Just like we said, there's clearly a huge fucking team behind him yeah, doing yeah. this stuff. And so let's let's dive into uh, his his showings, his exhibitions. Uh, one of the first is called the Mild Mild West, which uh, depicts a teddy bear throwing a Molotov cocktail at a um, at three riot police. And so uh, it's, it's it's important to talk about the fact that there's a lot of humor in his work. Uh, okay. There's a lot of humor, and and honestly, even if there is a team, I mean, clearly he's he's part of the brains behind just the art of it, and it's really smart. I I've, I really enjoy uh, the simplicity of what he's trying to capture and say with as little as possible, mm-hmm. and we're seeing that in the Mild Mild West. Uh, one of his first exhibitions was called Existentialism, which I love play on words and combinations of words. So he spelled existentialism like a stencil. Uh, so existentialism, get it? Ah. And yeah, the uh, the subtitle is Art Lies in Deviousness. And this is where we really saw the quintessential Banksy pieces. So we have Smiley Copper H, 2002, Leopard and Barcode, Bomb Hugger, Love is in the air, and that is uh, that is the other one that's akin to girl with balloon with girl with balloon. So love is in the air is the one where you see like a rioter looking guy throwing what would look like a Molotov cocktail, but he's throwing a bouquet of flowers. So that's an anti-war one, clearly, right? That's the one I um, I used to have on my MacBook nice. back in the day. And see, instead- he's selling <clears throat> shit to us already. See, or even back like, in the yeah. day. Yeah, and instead of throwing the flowers, he was throwing the apple. So that's why. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice, nice, yeah. nice. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I, I, I really, it's weird. I've been looking for a Banksy print, uh, something that really, you know, spoke to me for a long time now, and I just haven't gotten around to buying anything. But I, I eventually will buy something and add to the machine. I, I'm not against commercialism and capitalism. I mean, this guy's got to keep the lights on, and maybe it's in a mansion. I don't fucking know. But uh I get it. So you got to you got to get paid and compensated for your work and make a living. So let's move on to his other exhibitions and we're going to look uh, at Turf War, barely legal, love that name. Uh, this was considered a 3-day vandalized warehouse extravaganza where pieces mostly focused on world poverty. Then there was the Village Pet Store and Charcoal Grill, which included actual animatronic pets and the Cannes Festival. Uh, now, before we go into the next series of pieces, um, or before we go into move on from the exhibitions, I do want to talk about um, how he went through a phase of recreating or having a satirical spin on classic pieces, and then he would put his Banksy signature on it. An example of this was Monet's Water Lilies, right? Water Lilies is one of the most famous you know, Monet pieces yeah. ever. Well, while where Banksy did a version of that. So it looked exactly like water lilies and he called it just water lily pond. But then there was like trash and debris in the, in the water. And again, again, he's now, this is, he's talking about pollution, right? Another example is head Edward Hooper's Nighthawks. Now Nighthawks is that very famous piece. If you don't know what this is, guys, it's the one where it's like they're at a diner, people sitting at a diner and things like that. And so he, he, he recreated that to show, uh, the characters looking at a British football hooligan. So we're, we're bringing a lot of, you know, again, there's a lot of humor. There's a lot of, he's saying, he's talking about really serious shit, but he's doing it in a humorous way. And and, and we haven't talked about, we need to do an episode on uh, 
comedy, stand-up comedy, because oh, yeah. I believe humor is the best vessel to get a very serious message across. Right, Buck? Yeah, I think it is. And it's um, it's a good topic because it's it's kind of controversial today. Um, what can be talked about and whatnot. And there's there's definitely... Oh, my a, God. Um, cancel culture, right? Yeah, cancel culture and a divide. And, and there's t- definitely two different camps right now. And you're seeing some comics really kind of push back um some in a good way i i think or to really construct some way. really lean into it let's do a little tangent yeah. corner so yeah. so i'm a huge bill burr fan yeah and i love seeing him do his thing because he will fucking lean into pissing oh, yeah. people off oh what, yeah what an art right? but he does it in a really good way i mean a uh, good way he, he does it in a really Smart brilliant way, way. Yeah, yeah yeah um that you can you almost want he him goes to out his way to push buttons yeah yeah whereas like um and i'm gonna maybe offend some people here but um ah, I, i've seen titties. joe rogan stand up live and okay i think he tries to do the same thing but he just doesn't do it in a very good in in as um, and this is why there's an art to comedy and we'll, we'll brilliant, probably have brilliant it in, of a way yeah it's it's more yeah. of i'm just trying to say stuff to shock you instead of meandering almost pushing that line to where it's too much and then and there is a line you know let's let's say that over yeah um uh, i think ricky gervais does it to an amazing effect he he goes out of his way to make or Chappelle. yeah yeah so we're talking about the greats at this point yeah Uh, yeah. and there is an art to delivery versus what you're talking about versus uh what we can talk about right yeah and Chappelle, if you watched his last a lot of people were really upset with his last stand-up specials. Well, the last three or four that I've seen aren't... There's like 10% comedy and 90% just like, I want to talk about some real heavy yeah. shit. Yeah, it, it, because he doesn't he doesn't write any of his stuff down. Right. He, he It's all up here. Um, <laughs> so, and that's that that's kind of scary if you think about it. Because um, a lot of... I think it's of, impressive. You know, uh, yeah. I know Louis C.K., has gotten a lot of shit uh, in the past last pa- uh, last few years, but strip away the drama behind his uh, legacy and uh, comedy art, uh, he is another master yeah. of uh, someone that doesn't write it down, that does it in his head, road tests it, and uh, for some reason, what popped in my head is Jay Z. Jay Z famously uh, makes up all his raps, you know, on the fly in his them. head. He doesn't he doesn't write yeah. them down like super smart people that fucking just can do it in their head and it comes out. And Did you ever watch <laughs> uh, the Mel Brooks movie, the history of the world? I had, that's one I missed. Honestly, I, I have, I love would, Mel Brooks. I love space balls and fucking all of it. But uh, I, I, for some reason I just never got around to that one, but tell he, us what's he, on your mind. No, it just always cracks me up because he was the, the first stand up philosopher. Ah, that's, <laughs> That's one of his characters in it. So he was the, one, he was the first stand-up philosopher. Yeah. Uh, on that note, let's bring it back. Let's do a Novo pullback and talk about the Banksy effect. So clearly he was having a lot of success over the years from all these little weird things and going out of his way to push this identity and it and into amazing effect and, and success, both commercially and uh, financially or uh Critically, I should say. So the Banksy effect created this idea that uh, we need to start focusing on other graffiti artists or other street artists or just, you know, for a long time, this kind of art wasn't 
considered as valuable as, you know, abstract expressionism and, you know, all that kind of more higher brow type of art where clearly, and just like the show, uh, these things are subjective, right? And this is where I think I'm going to pull it a a little round circle again and say that whoever's behind this guy are equally as brilliant as Banksy because they have shifted the cultural consciousness to say, oh, these are just as important as your highbrow, you know, Louvre and New York City art exhibition type of paintings. So, uh, and that, uh, essentially the effect is that they, they wanted to look at other artists that were on this level to see if they could create another, create as much success as they could uh, just like they did with Banksy. Buck, you're just staring off into space. I feel like you have something to tell me. What are you thinking about? Well, yeah, I'm thinking about like, uh, in a, it's kind of in a, what we're, what we're going to be talking about, I think here in a minute of when we start recognizing some of these um, street artists um, and the film that was made by Banksy, which we'll, we'll get to in a second, but it, it really was kind of an explosion that you saw a lot of, um, almost a little bit of copycatting going on uh, to an extent. Um, And it also started really, you know, it's like with a lot of things that we see, like something comes really popular and then a whole bunch of people try to do it. We see this in music all the time when you have music trends. Well, we see, I feel like we see it in everything. Film. Yeah. yeah, Every kind of medium. Video games. Yeah. We have a pioneer. Yeah. There was like a, a time where every single shooter that came out was a World War II shooter. <laughs> yeah, we have trendsetters. Yeah, and then we and and people see success on that. Yeah, and then then we have the copycats versus honestly just the people that are inspired by. It. I think there's I I actually, actually just think there's nothing wrong with either of them. It's just an evolution of how these things move, right? Yeah, yeah. It's just and 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 how bright the candle burns with it too. Sure, um, that's a good way to and, put it. And and. You know, there's been some medium that that's really stuck around with it. I think Banksy is going to be one of those that's going to survive. Uh, you know, through through that, even though a lot came out very similar to his, but I think it's something like the Marvel movies. I, I would think that the, the audience would be fatigued by this point, and I think right. there's a little bit, but like I still want the, more. The machine is still burning. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the machine running. is still going, still and going. the machine is again. Let's bring it back to the the anomaly that is this particular machine because we still have, you know, for, for people that are unlike us that want to really do deep dives into these deep cuts and they just know Banksy's a little bit of Banksy and they're not really studying what's probably going on behind the scenes. He's still going out of his way to create this persona, this identity of, uh, of vigilanteism. And I... I wrote this down because I feel like it was um, <laughs> very akin to what we're talking about here. And uh, in, so this is in quotes. He, he, he titled this piece, I, uh, or he entitled one of his pieces, I can't, I can't believe you morons actually buy this shit. <laughs> and, and that kind of stuff goes for millions of dollars. You know, he's yeah. still kind of laughing in the face of, of people that, uh, are again on secondary markets because I think there is part of him that truly believes this because anytime that he actually has an exhibition where he's selling his own original pieces, it'll go for like 60 bucks. And we'll talk about this a little later. And uh, he had a trademark dispute at one point because again, he's going out of his way to stay anonymous, right? 
And because of that, he's not doing traditional means of commerce and merchandising. So other entities, other corporations are going to try to go out of their way to uh, capitalize on his success. And they're going to, and at one point, a, I believe it was a, just like a, a card company, you know, like birthday cards and wedding cards and just a card company like that tried to trademark Banksy like him. And so he had to create a pop-up shop to fight this with legal uh, representation to say, no, I mean, I still, even though I haven't trademarked it, I still own, you know, this, this uh, intellectual property. And he sold original pieces for $60. He just didn't promote it, but he yep. did it for one day. So that's how he was able to fight the thing. So let's move on to some of his other really, I'm going to go through these a little fast, just because like I said, in the intro, there's just so much that he's actually done in 30 years. Um, well, it has been 30. And when I say it that way, I'm like, well, it has been fucking 30 years. So that is a lot of time. So he, uh, at one point he made, uh, <laughs> he, he made his own uh, form of currency to replicate the pound and instead of uh the queen's face there he put princess diana so more humor uh more playing with the you know this time you know this is anti kind of government right anti thing um he has a pseudo manifesto that we i'm not going to really dive into because uh we had we did an episode on surrealism and they had an actual written manifesto which was to essentially design uh, the definition of what true surreal- surrealism is. And a lot of artists have done this uh, throughout history. And Banksy, I think, is, again, kind of making fun of it. It was actually just like it wasn't a traditional manifesto, but he called it one. And again, it was just him kind of making fun of things. Uh, another very famous piece is so sometimes he'll go out of his way to actually, you know, um, not get permits per se, but get, per, we'll call it permission, uh, and, and to do a really big piece on the side of, you know, a building or uh, a home or whatever like that. And Fragile Silence is a very famous piece because it's a 30 foot mural on a mobile home. And uh, this is why it's, it's fascinating because now, now the work is really good. So I, I encourage you listeners to, you know, just Google that Fragile Silence. But uh, the people that bought the mobile home, you know, they bought it for like a thousand pounds. Again, this is pounds. This is UK. And uh, Banksy was like, hey, do you mind if I do this piece on the side of your mobile home? They're like, yeah, knock yourself out, dude. Whatever you want, man. And when they sold that mobile home, 500,000 pounds. So again, we're yeah. seeing, yeah, damn is correct. We're seeing the value continue to, and and this is just the middle, man. Like his value, once we get uh, later into his history here, um, he's had, he has pieces that go for millions of dollars now, right? Yeah. And and so so people are benefiting off of him. Excuse me. Looking at the the mural, it's it's a little different from his other work. Yeah, you know? I would say so. Yeah, it, it's it's very interesting, and 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 Banksy, he all of his stuff, you know. And and I like how it, it it looks. It looks a lot more. There's a a, a section of it that looks more like graffiti um, yeah. art than anything. Um, and and that's sometimes really he'll cool. do a mix. Yeah. It's clear yeah. that he does traditional graffiti still with the stenciling. Yeah, yeah. So it, it, it's it, obviously he had more time to do something like this, um, where he he had a, 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 the opportunity to kind of mix those two elements together, but. Um, it's really cool to kind of see something where 
it, when he takes his time and can and do these things, it almost seems like a different artist at that point. Like what you're saying with um, some taking some of the classical pieces of art um, and in recreating them in a new light, you know, to kind of make a statement. It's it's always kind of a it's always a little bit of a hodgepodge or mix of uh, the same. It's the same artist, but it can almost seem like different parts of their life or like a musician. They're going through different. Uh, phases yeah. or cycles there's there's an evolution yeah. i had to pull it up too just to just to refresh my memory and yeah it's i hadn't it's, seen it in a while it's it's uh, let's talk about it for a little bit so uh, a lot of his pieces when he's just doing the side of a building or you know what ha- what have you and clearly he's he doesn't have a lot of time it's probably the dead of night because he doesn't want to get caught doing this uh and and i assume he has a team with him then too it's not just him you know with like a backpack or some shit um <laughs> but he uh you know when he's doing his stencils batman it's simple right <laughs> that's a funny image a uh, batman with the backpack bat it's <laughs> batman with the bat pack he's got his bat pack full of paint and stencils like so, instead yeah. of a uh, battering he's throwing like a can of spray paint <laughs> Sorry, like yeah, that. that's a smoke bomb, right? <laughs> yeah, he just like throws it down, it splashes everywhere. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so yeah, when you're looking at a traditional Banksy piece, um, of course he's dealing with neutrals, right? Uh, he likes his blacks, his whites, uh, his grays. Very little. I don't ever. I don't really ever see browns, uh, but not a lot of colds or hots. But with this piece, fragile silence, uh, we're seeing uh, mostly colds. I, I mean, I would say the emphasis. So where you're how the piece is designed, where your eye meets the main subjects. Uh, those are your blacks and whites and grays, your neutrals. But then he finally has some cold colors he's putting in there. Uh, and that's for a, a skyline, things like that. And even some some hots. He has a, a little bit of orange in there. And like Buck said, it is definitely kind of a, a mixed media piece because there is a, a clearly the stenciling thing going on, but also very much uh, traditional tagging. Um, kind of graffiti with the very intricate, you know, lettering and designs like that. So it's it's a it's a beautiful piece. And again, you know, it's subjective. We give you know, humans give value to this, right? You know, it's it, it can be nothing and it can be everything. That's why art is considered priceless. So I just think the fact that they bought this thing, they bought this little mobile home for a thousand dollars, and when they sold it, they got up to five hundred thousand, or excuse me, pounds. So if you don't know how much a pound is versus a dollar, whoever's listening to this, uh, the easiest uh, it weighs more, right? <laughs> that's right. That was a dad joke. Jeez, that's a that was a good dad joke. I like yeah. that. I I even yeah. chuckled. Well, Thank the you. easiest uh, you know formula, if you will, is just to multiply it times two. So for every pound. It's two dollars. So, thousand pounds they bought it with, uh, or they bought the mobile home for approximately two thousand dollars, which sounds about right. Two thousand dollar mobile yeah, home, like yeah. America. I'm looking at it and right now. Yeah. So they, um, so they got close to a million dollars for this, just to put it into perspective. And it's not again. They weren't selling the, and we see this a lot with his pieces. They weren't selling the mobile home for a million dollars. They were selling the mural. And it just happened to be connected to a mobile home. I'll, we'll talk about a piece like this a little later where it's actually built that way. So when someone is actually trying to sell this, they sell it as a X amount mural. And what comes with it is a home 
or something like that. That was the example later. It's like an actual little mural on the side of a home. So they're not, you're not buying the home. You're just getting it as a, as a, as a consolation prize, I guess. That's quite a consolation prize. I want a fucking home with my painting. <laughs> so let's move on. And, uh, you know, he did come to the States and do some pieces uh, for, um, I, oh, I found it fascinating that he, uh, on the anniversary of Hurricane Katrina, he went to New Orleans and did some pieces on sides of buildings that were affected by the hurricane. And so I thought that was, there was a sweetness to that, you know, because there, I think at the, the heart and soul of who Banksy is, instead of a, you know, a secret capitalism machine, I don't think it's that. I still, I still think there is uh, a true passion and activism. And, uh, and that's what I see in, in, and how he chooses his pieces. And I don't, you know, usually when you have something like this, when it, when the thing kind of becomes bigger than the person, he's not going to be able to control how people, how people want to use his pieces and how much you want, they want to purchase them. So I think that's why they, they get very valuable and, uh, the perception of it gets, gets uh, gets changed over time uh from this period on uh we're kind of getting into the 2010s here you know we're kind of at the 2000s previously now we're getting to the 2010s and we're seeing more traditional exhibitions and stuff like that we're seeing stuff in the bristol city museum and art galleries and things like that and this is where the documentary film exit through the gift shop comes in now buck has talked about uh some of his documentaries uh, and some of our pre-show stuff. Is this the one, or was it a different one? No, this is the one. This is this the is one the that, one. So tell really the good. I, I, so uh, Buck's actually seen this guy. I have not. So I'm going to yep. give the floor back to Buck for a little bit, just to kind of talk about um, this documentary. And mind you, this is not just a little old piece. This this was nominated for an Academy Award. Like this is a big deal. So yeah, no, this is it, it's it's a really it's a it's a fascinating documentary because it it goes kind of in a direction that you you don't think it's going to go. Um, but it's, it's a Banksy film. Um, but it's, it basically <laughs> follows uh, this guy named Terry Guetta. I believe that's okay. how you pronounce his name. Um, I'm from the that's middle okay. of nowhere. I can't guarantee that I will ever pronounce the name correctly. And please don't hurt me for it. Nope. Um, yep. there's, there's a Twitter mob coming right now. I can hear. Yeah. Um, so basically he's, a, he's this French immigrant living in LA. He has a, uh, I think it's like a vintage clothing shop or something like that, but he films everything. He's obsessed with filming. He's got hundreds of thousands of hours of him just filming stuff. And he finds out um, early on that there there's this thing. Um, he, he has some friends um, putting up, I believe it, one of them is his cousin, but they do uh, for a while. There was this thing where you would see space invaders, Hmm. Um, the street art where you would see, you know, like the, the video game space, invaders. the video game space invaders, you would see those all over cities and stuff. And um, this is where that uh, um, I uh, Shepherd Fairy okay. yeah, yeah. came in and he found out that I, I believe it was his cousin and some of his friends that were actually doing this. So he started filming them and documenting kind of their adventures going through the night, putting up. The so stuff. the documentary is about this other person doing these things. Well, Okay, so it, it starts yeah. out like this guy filming this. He he's filming some other big street artists. Um, he starts filming and hearing more about Banksy. Banksy approaches him. Um, there, Banksy's trying to do a store uh, show, which is the one we talked about uh, earlier. It's it was on um, it's Skid Row. Um, it was called uh, Barely Legal. 
Um, yeah, yeah. And, he, and he's kind of documenting, having him document all this stuff. So basically, he kind of works his way up from the underground scene of filming all this stuff. And then it gets to the point where he's Banksy wants him to document. Um, and it becomes an overnight huh. ex, uh, success, you know, Barely Legal does. And Banksy's just kind of stunned about the hype. Um, and he wants uh, Terry to finish this documentary that he's making. Uh, he finishes this documentary, but it's basically a mess. Um, and <laughs> sounds like, yeah, sounds like a little like a mess. So Banksy, but, um, uh, but, he, he's, but he's kind of questioning what he wants. Messy can be art. Yeah, but it, it's it's even a mess to Banksy. He's just basically like... He's like, I, what I don't... the fuck did we do? So what he basically asks him to do is uh, produce a film himself um, and, about street art and making... Um, he wants Terry, this Terry Gietta guy to do his own street art uh-huh. um, performance. And so he takes up the moniker Mr. Brainwash. Um, ah, that's where the Mr. Bra- okay, we talked about that's Mr. Where Brainwash the Mr. Brainwash the comes up. And basically, this is in that movement and this hype of street art becoming these huge art shows because Banksy's really pushed it. And, mm. you know, obviously, this is kind of another the thing Banksy where Banksy's effect. like trying to... We're going, we're going, we're closing <laughs> loops again. Yeah, he's trying to mess with with the, you know, the uh, public a little bit with this because he's like, well, if I can do this, anybody can kind of thing. So yeah. this guy becomes a street artist and just starts throwing... Sh- I'm sorry. He just starts throwing shit together, calling it art. And his basically it's, it's fascinating because they cover him trying to start the show. The guy is basically promoting himself and not doing a lot of the work. Um, <laughs> it's just a mess, but like there's pieces and areas of the walls that are missing art. They're like doing things right at the last minute, trying to put it together. It's incomplete and it's a total success. It's, it's that- hugely popular. <laughs> That always makes me think of the thin line in the subjectivity that uh, that what what we consider artistic, yeah. right? There is um, I don't know how many times uh, anybody listening, you, you 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 good people out there have probably felt this way, where you look at something, you look at a piece in a museum, and it's so simple that you're like, I could have fucking done that, I could do that shit. Um, and and then you always have that friend that says like, well, there's, there's more to it. Like, yeah. you just don't get it, man. Yeah, you don't get and, it. You don't and, understand. And here's it. the thing. And, you know, I talk about dualisms a lot. It's 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 both are correct. There is an element that, yes, it can be very easy, uh, very simple, almost kind of sophomoric or childish in the the technique or the approach to making something. And for some reason, there's also subjectivity to it because of this one particular person at this one particular time. And timing is everything in art. I'm, I'm a big believer in that. That uh, it's some for some reason, it gets to be put up on a wall where some of our pieces are put up on like my mom's fucking fridge. Like I, that's the best recognition I get. Uh, but the point is, is that uh, it always makes me. Yeah, I think you get the point. It, it always makes me think of that. There was a piece, I think, just in the last year or two that it it really hit me that way where it was just a banana on a wall with duct tape oh yeah 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 yeah. yeah. i remember seeing that piece and i'm like i I had that moment where i was like why oh my god why are we somebody why are we glorifying this why and then someone stole it is that what you're about to say well yeah didn't somebody like just take it off and eat it right there no i don't think they ate it i think they just took it off okay and they just like walked off with it it's like get another banana i was like why you know how is this how is this truly art and i agree with that there are there are times where i'm when i'm that guy i'm like what the fuck is this when i heard about that i could just see like this 
like very um snobby bar- or artistic couple i always couple think of like it's always sunny it. in philadelphia when you have like uh you know frank's character <laughs> frank and he's like has wig this big yeah. wig <laughs> and he's like <laughs> he's like trash 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 <laughs> that's one of my favorite episodes yeah oh man. Oh, this is beautiful this is oh that's just a, like a, a humidifier oh well it's a great one it's a great you one. know <laughs> but yeah i could just see somebody just standing there and being like trying to interpret and just like comment giving their commentary to just whoever will listen about the piece of what yeah. this means the angle of the duct tape yeah exactly masculinity and this is, you know, I, I, I don't mean to get real philosophical in our pieces, but, you know, this is this is the human condition at, at its core, right? Yeah. Like, we have to find ourselves in a lot oh, yeah. of the stuff we do. And we do that all the time with stuff that have literally no meaning. So, there, of course, there's going to be a whole culture of people that do this in the art community that are like, yes. And they're always, and exactly to your point, Buck, they're always like kind of they have they have stereotypes right they have their their turtle they're they're all in black with their turtleneck and they you know they have like a cigarette out of their mouth and shit like that there's there's stereotypes for all of it but there's a lot of there's a lot of actual people out there like that so oh yeah 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 <laughs> i've ran into a few before you've, a- you've actually met someone that deep into that world not that deep but i've i've went to an art museum um here in the the area that i live with somebody who who definitely thought that they were an expert on every everything i've been to your museum you have a nice museum actually yeah it's it's good on my instagram there's there's well we've got a couple of them but the contemporary contemporary art museum is is very cool um i used to go there quite a bit um they have like a little bar upstairs and and uh it's 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 a cool place to hang out Uh, i saw the the singer from uh devo um he had an exhibition there which was really cool called myopia um because he has a hard time he has that eye condition um so that was what it was named after but he had a lot of really cool uh pieces of art in there so definitely check it out yeah okay uh well uh let's move on to so that was exit through the gift shop guys and the uh, next thing on my list is 2013's uh, better out than in and this was actually a show he did on the streets of new york city uh, and uh, what led to that was uh, something I think we're going to spend a little time on, and that was Dismaland. Do you remember this book? This is like the parodying. It was like a parody of Disneyland, but it's like Dismal the, Dismaland. Was this the one where he put like the Guantanamo Bay detainee in Disneyland? No, uh, that was in the same kind of era, but okay. this was... Um, so essentially, what he wanted to do. Was, oh, I do again, remember this. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Now I remember. It, it was this. like yeah. anti. You know, I guess this one would be an anti-capitalism one. So he yeah. he made a a theme park, like a little yeah. mini theme park, as its own uh, art exhibition, and he had pieces in it that were parodying, you know, disappointing theme parks. So like things were rusting, and it, everything looked, uh, for lack of a better word, dismal. So that's why I called it Dismal Land, and he would essentially you would pay for an entry fee and then you would kind of walk the grounds of this theme park and all of the pieces were dedicated to, to creating that social commentary. Sounds like a great time walking through a, <laughs> I kind of still want, I, it's, it's not open now, but <laughs> I, used, I remember I that it was like, I kind of want to go. I really do. I do. I would want to check it out. So. Yeah. I think it would be something I would want to like walk through. Cause I, 
I kind of hate theme parks in a lot of ways. I, I, I like them like and I parks. hate them. I grew up with them. So. I did too, but I like them and I hate them. What what I hated were were the people, but. <laughs> Yeah, no, I I agree. I as I as I got older, I remember yeah. feeling people that were my similar to my age that still wanted to go to these things and I was I was at, you know, I feel like the ship has sailed. Like I don't want to do that shit anymore with all those people and it's all, you know, it's kind of it gets to this gross point, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's especially it's, when it's I... like a local or if it's like a city or a state fair and not like, you know, Disneyland has billions of dollars put into it to make it really nice and clean and all this stuff. But when you're talking about city fairs and state fairs and those kind of on, on the road, you know, amusement park kind oh, of exhibits. Yeah. They get rough quick, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> and I grew up quick. <laughs> well, y- and you know where I grew up, the town where yeah. I grew up had the state fair in, in yeah. the town and you know, crime would immediately jump up coming out of that area <laughs> where the carnies were. Or I'm sorry, oh, yeah. the amusement park workers, and it. I mean, and maybe that's why I hate it because I just it. There's that kind of stinginess to it. Like, I. Man. But I also like when I was a kid, I loved going to like either Six Flags or like Silver Dollar City or something. Well, again, that's like a big national corporation yeah. version of a theme park. You know, yeah. where they have a lot of money to keep it clean and nice. And yeah, no, those are cool. Like, I. I mean, yeah. I mean. Obviously, as an adult, I'm not going to fucking do that anymore. Uh, but uh, but I get it. I, you, I don't mean have you're any not kids yet, go to but Disney. I'll probably take. I'm going to take my kids. Uh, you're not going to go to I, Disney and and put on the ears and and walk around and say. I would honestly. I would if I had kiddos. Like yeah, we I don't we don't have yeah. a, a family yet. like uh we don't have kids yet. So I think if I did, I would. I would do that whole thing. Oh, I'm yeah. just, I'm just kind of being, I'm just kind of making fun a little bit of the people our age that do this and they don't have kids. Ah, ah, those. Types. I see that they, a lot. Ooh, it, it's yeah, a little, those... it's a little odd for me. I, I don't know. Each to their own, I would say. But so you're talking about? Okay, let's. Okay, let's... I will. I, okay, there is one theme park that I will go nerd out at. What is that? You, you already know it. Is it well? Is it the one that's not out yet? Is that the Super no? Mario it's out. Brothers? It's out. It's out. Okay. Uh, then I don't know. But, it, it, but it's me. a Star Wars one. And ah, you can, you can build it here. That's like well, <laughs> the uh, it's not in America yet, but the Japanese Super, oh, the Universal yes. Studios Super Mario World. Super I Mario will World. Turn into a child. I will turn into a kid again and I will do everything. I don't care if my actual kids are with me or not. I will fucking have a blast. So I so I guess to your I was I guess, about to make fun of the it. people. Yeah. yeah. I, I guess I was I about to make it. fun of the people that you're talking about that, you know, refuse to grow up kind of a thing. Yeah, I that's what that I was kind of leaning towards. Yeah, you gotta pick your battles, I guess, because yeah. I, I, I think we all do it. And and it depends yeah. on the thing. Everybody has their thing, right? Yeah. And uh my thing is definitely oh man, Nintendo, Super Mario Brother, you know, I just grew up with so much of that culture. Yeah, that now that they have a theme park dedicated to it, I I cannot wait till it comes to the U.S. I heard I it's it's amazing the like the it's Japanese like sensory one. overload. Yeah, oh, I want it now. Okay, let's let's let me pull it back, or I'm gonna nerd out on fucking Super Mario Land or World or whatever it's called, the Universal Studios one. Uh, let's talk about uh, 2015, the son of a migrant from Syria, and this this was a piece that uh, depicted Steve Jobs as a migrant. So again, oh. we're still seeing uh, a lot of I don't even know what to call this anti-capitalism kind of. There's a lot of weird uh, commentary that I guess you could really fill in the gaps of what you wanted to to fill in there for yourself. 2017, we had a wall of a hotel, and then I would say this next 
piece, uh, this next thing that happened is I've, I kind of, I think I've already said that, oh man, this is my favorite thing that Banksy did or Banksy was a part of. I think this is truly my favorite thing. And that is the balloon girl shredding incident of 2018. Do you know about this or do I, I don't need to enlighten film, me? Film, enlighten me. Oh, okay. Fill me in. So, uh, for Buck and anybody listening for all the good people listening, this is such a fascinating tale. So what happened was that years ago, so bear with me years ago, Banksy, framed one of his originals girl with a balloon um, pieces and he sold it he, or he had one of his you know team members take it to auction and uh, and sell it you know for the to the highest bidder so what they didn't know that was a part of this particular piece is that he created uh, a little bit of an apparatus a, a contraption inside the frame so that as soon as someone bought it, it self-destructed. It shredded That's the awesome. piece. That's yeah. awesome. It shredded the piece. Now here's here's where it gets real good. Okay. Is so speed up to 2018 and it's actually on auction. And someone buys it for I think 1.8 million, some 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 ridiculous number like that. And then however he activates this this machine it's activated and in the the guy with his white gloves you know that's holding up the piece it starts shredding in front of the entire audience but here's the kicker is it doesn't completely work all the way he said in an interview that he did some prototypes of this and every time that he had a piece get shredded it would shred all the way through clean well this piece had a malfunction and it shredded all the way about like I would say like to a quarter down and and then the 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 buyer of the piece wanted it even more. It actually doubled in value because oh of this. Yeah. Because and then they and then yeah. So bear with me, I'm almost done. So it doubled in value because it created spontaneously in the moment a brand new piece. And they he actually named it. Banks actually called it Love is in the Bin. And uh, so the owner of this piece has the original uh, nearly completely shredded uh, balloon girl or girl with a balloon. And it's now considered love is in the bin. Nice. It, it, it just, and again, <laughs> yeah. it speaks to the hysteria and kind of the overall fascination with uh, Banksy and how, uh, you know, in a lot of ways, you know, little mistakes and um, can turn into pieces of art. So, um I thought it was great. I I was like, especially, you know, like he was, again, he was playing with his audience. He was just in the vein of, I can't believe you morons actually buy this shit. You know, him naming pieces like that. And then people buying it for ridiculous sums of money. He's, he went out of his way to essentially destroy his own work to laugh in the face of these people that are buying it for ridiculous sums of money. Because again, you know, when he does his little pop-up shops and stuff, he'll just sell it for like 60 bucks. And then yeah. on secondary markets, those can go for uh, six figures, you know, yeah. $500,000 and things like that, just because it's an original Banksy piece. Uh, and it's, it's incredibly, God, it's, and so, and we're still seeing, so uh, it's 2021 and we're still seeing his, his work be valued at these levels. And I think one that was really sweet. So before we go into our conclusion and and go into our gems, I want to talk about, let's end on a sweet note. Um, Well, let's end on a sweet note of his art. And then I want to kind of talk about who he is. And we're going to talk, we're kind of 
we're going to kind of end on that before we go into our gems. And um, he did a, a piece during the pandemic called Painting for Saints. And I'm, I'm not sure if you saw this one, Buck, but this one was, uh, it, it depicts like a little kid playing with toys. Mm-hmm. And in the bin next to him are all these famous, you know, Batman and Spider-Man and all these ones. And the one that he actually wants to play with is a nurse. So I thought oh, that was sweet. That so he's sweet. saying, this is the real hero, you know? That's a um, good, good message. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's great. You know, and, and we've all been through hell in the past year. Oh, this last year. Oh, God. Um, oh, God. Let's not I even think, go there. Yeah. But I mean, but I <laughs> we'll mean, turn this happy ending into it. No, into but a, I, I, no, th- I, I'm, I'm spinning it towards a happy thing. The, the thing that has brought us up are little, little things like that. Like little things like this, I think, has has kind of brought people together a little bit and um I think in in and really kind of helped us all out when when just a, a a painting or a little small gesture like that has really Oh yeah. It, it makes it goes a long way. So that that's yeah. what I was saying. Um Ah, okay. That is not true. Tr- why do you why do you always think <laughs> I'm trying to bring us down? No, no, no. Uh so so who is Banksy? Let's end with that. Who is Banksy? Um, so very, very smart people that have gone out of their fucking way has actually pointed to one name, and that name is Robin Gunningham. Gunningham. And he um, he actually, at one point, uh, put out his work as Robin Banks. Sound familiar? So his pseudonym at one point was Robin Banks, and that turned into Banksy. Uh, but often people think it's Robert Del Naja. Again, that's 3D of Massive Attack, just because there's there's almost eerie similarities. Uh, but a lot, of, a lot of people have also thought it was a person named Jamie Hewlett or and or Neil Buchanan. And I guess the point is closing with this is, you know, it doesn't matter again. You know, what yeah. what matters is is the the what he put into the spotlight. And that's just like the whole point of our shows is to focus on the art. And that's what matters is the art he's put out. That's changed people's lives. That has moved us. That has made us fucking talk about this for an hour. I mean, it, it's important because it uh, clearly with that sweet ending that Buck said, um, you know, things like painting for saints, just a little thing, a gesture, goodwill can go a long, long way. Yeah. And I think, you know, with all art, it's, if it brings you joy, then, then go for it and and enjoy it. And I think we kind of had this discussion earlier, kind of, you know, whatever brings you happiness or joy, you know, that's, that's really what it is, no matter how ridiculous or, or, um, you know, insane it is. If you enjoy it and you like it, then, then go for it. Um, you know, and that can speak in volumes to any medium. So for those listening to Nickelback right now, um, you know, keep keep doing your thing. Yeah, you you be you. We love you. You be you. <laughs> and there you have it, guys. Uh, the the life and love and art of the one and only Banksy. So thank you so much for listening. But before we go, of course, we have a little more for you. We got a little icing on the cake. We got a little cherry on top with what we, we want to leave you here of the week it's essentially a little something extra we like to add to our pieces that doesn't quite fit into the scheme of the episode but we want to talk about it nonetheless now mine is very very much connected to banksy that i didn't talk about in the the main scheme of the show so i'm gonna give i'm gonna give uh buck has really really good gems i'm gonna give buck the floor first and then i'm gonna go Go i i feel 
completely honored right now, and yeah. I appreciate that I got the first gym. Um, so I would like to thank you, Novo. Um, You're welcome. You know, this day, <laughs> I'd also like to thank God. And okay. I would also like to, you know, go through my manager, uh, Clayton. <laughs> our um, management team. Our management team. Thank te- you. No. Thank you. Um, and then I want to I want to talk about our current political climate here. No. Okay. No, okay. Uh, okay. No. Um, you know, I'm going to put a nip in that. I part. know. It, it, it's, it's the Oscars tonight. So I, I'm just. Is it? Shit. I, fuck. Yeah. I Where believe so. I? I think so. I don't know. I, I kind of. Uh, I kind of don't care. Yeah, I don't okay, really okay. care either. It's just, yeah, it's a you know what contest. you know what's much more important than the Oscars, your gym of the week, my gym of the week, <laughs> and I'm going to give it to you right now. But first, I would like to thank. No, okay. <laughs> um, so the, the I, I've shared this gym of the week with you earlier, um, okay, yesterday or the day before, but it's a band called Salt. Uh, spelled oh yeah, S A U L T. Salt. Yeah. Um, they're pseudo anonymous behind Salt. British Collective. Uh, they do like rhythm and blues, house disco, reggae. They've released four albums in the last two years, and they've been a couple of years, and they've been critically acclaimed. So uh, definitely check them out. Okay, Salt. Yes, uh, Buck did uh, send uh, the uh, the work my way, and it is really really good. I, I that wasn't I your gym, that. was it? No, no, my gym is. Like I said, it's very connected to Banksy. Yeah. And this is often uh, his his biggest criticism, if you will. Uh, but I would argue it's probably his biggest inspiration. And that is a French graffiti artist that goes by the pseudonym Black Le Ray. Uh, looks like Black Le Rat, you know, like ah, an us, uh, yeah. us, us American, us American, America. You speak the American language. America? That's what it looks like. It looks like Black Black La Rat, but it's probably it's pronounced like Black La Ray, you know. His actual name is Xavier Prow. And this guy, so here's the thing. I urge everyone, I'm gonna make you guys uh the deciders, the of of uh, if it's true inspiration or maybe a little more. So uh Black La Ray is uh, a graffiti artist and he does the almost the exact same thing. Uh, he does stenciling work, and he and it, and often uses a lot of imagery that Banksy uses. Uh, but mind you, he came before Banksy. Uh, but it is in the vein of yeah, political, social commentary. He he uses things like rats and you know monkeys and police officers and children, just like Banksy does. You know, to to a lot of effect uh, or profound effect and uh, the viewer and. Um, uh, I urge you just to put them side by side, and you can make up your mind. Uh, even if even if you don't have a more of a politically derived opinion on this, uh, the work alone is 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 quite fascinating and fun to look at. So there you go, uh, a little bit of salt and a little bit of rat. Uh, <laughs> if you guys like that, you you can of course uh, follow us at all of our socials at underscore Novo underscore Day, and that's Day is D E, and at Novo Day Media. You of course can check out some of our products at NovoDayProductions.com. There you'll find things like the Entropy Sessions, both in uh, novel form, and you can just listen to it in audiobook. Uh, a novella called Adulteration, Post Meridian. And hopefully by the time this is out, uh, I'm going to say we may have another audiobook out. Definitely some short stories for free. So we're, we're churning some, some of our own stuff out, and we hope you guys like it. So until then, be good to each other. 
And as always, good luck. Godspeed. We love you. Art of the Beholder is brought to you by Novo Day Productions. Created and hosted by Novo Day and the Novo Day Collective. Facebook.com slash Novo Day Media. At Novo Day Media on Twitter and Instagram. Music by A Company. Facebook.com slash Aco Music 123. Aco on Spotify. Logo designed by Tom Justice, J E S T U S, of thejusticecompany.com. And executively produced by Clayton Anderson. All rights reserved.